Welcome back to This Week in Film. It's the weekly podcast where we get together, we talk about the movies we've seen over the past seven days. I'm Nick Panato, joined as always by Midwest Matt Lauer. Matt, how's it going? Going all right, Nick. How are you? I'm good. I'm a little confused. I feel like I missed a couple of words in my intro there, but I'm not sure. Uh, well, I was mouthing them along with you, and there was one moment where I felt like we skipped a, a brief, you know, like, but or and or something yeah. like that. Oh, well. We'll get it next week. Uh, Matt, I assume you've seen some movies since our last ex- episode. <laughs> ex- episode. Nope. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, I, I did. How about you? Uh, I also saw a movie. Good uh, thing. I finally saw a movie you've been waiting for me to watch. Upgrade. Lady Hawk from 1985. You son of a bitch. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what you know what? what you you just keep on living this life. Uh, yeah, I watched a movie too. I watched Tinkerbell and the Pirate Fairy. I'm just kidding. Oh, I've seen that. <laughs> yeah, I saw it in the playlist and thought I'd make a jerk, but apparently I couldn't get through it. Um, it's actually not the worst thing. Uh, sure, I'm sure Lady Hawk is. Um, I watched a movie called Prisoners. Oh, really? Yes, from 2013. Yeah, the Villanueva movie? Uh-huh, that's right. Or yeah. Villeneuve, I don't really know. Um, I, I hear, like, I hear that... a lot of people say Denis Villeneuve. Oh, I'll say it my way. And, um, uh, that's a movie that I, I have always wanted to see, but have been hesitant. Like, my dad watched it one time, and he's like, oh, man, you gotta watch that, but you got all these kids. It's tough to watch if you got kids. And I'm like, I have so many. I don't want to watch something that's difficult to watch because I have children. And then I forgot about it. Yeah, I had that thought once or twice. I was like, I don't know if this, if you can handle this if you're a parent. Um, but I don't know. There. Well, we'll get into it. All right. Sh- should I go first? Do you want me to get into it now or do you want me to wait? Uh, why don't we save yours for the end? Because yours okay. sounds like the much better movie. Because I saw... That doesn't have to be the case. (laughs) I saw Lady Hawk from 1985, which is listed as a adventure, comedy, drama, fantasy. It's directed by Richard Donner and stars Matthew Broderick, Rutger Hauer, and Michelle Pfeiffer. Uh, This, I did not care for this. Uh, it wasn't the worst movie I've ever seen, but it wasn't it wasn't for me. My wife wanted to watch it. She was like, "Have you never seen Lady Hawk? We have to watch Lady Hawk." And I'm like, "All right." And let me tell you what I thought Lady Hawk was about, because I feel like uh, it like might a be comic a, book hero. No, well, like based on the cover art that. Like, because we used to have this at the blockbuster I worked at. Yeah, uh, it looks like Matthew Broderick is wearing this red hoodie sweatshirt, and Michelle Pfeiffer is some sort of bird woman. 
And I go, okay, well, then the plot of that movie must be Michelle Pfeiffer lives in medieval times and some wizard puts a magic spell on her that she turns into like a bird woman, but she gets transported into the future and she meets up with Matthew Broderick and they have to work together to get her back to the past and also get him a date for the prom. (laughs) And, And that's what I thought that this movie was about. And I have never watched it. And it's it's not about that at all, except for like the Lady Hawk uh, parts. So what it's actually about is Matthew Broderick is in medieval times. He's some sort of pickpocket who's in prison for pickpocketing and he's going to be hung. The movie starts with the scene of three men just being hung or hanged and it's jarring and then they go get three more so they go into this prison cell to get the mouse who is matthew broderick but he's escaped through this the city's sewer systems or this large church castle sewage system and he escapes and the first thing he does is he pickpockets a guard who has all the money in the world for some reason he takes this this purse from a guard and everywhere he goes, he's like, he just kind of like shows it off like it's his testicles. He's, he just goes, like he says, I have I have plenty of coin. And he like would oh, spread his legs and like shake the bag. And you're like, um, stop doing that, Matthew Broderick. Also, he's doing this terrible accent the whole movie. And uh, I don't care for it. And this is one year before Ferris Bueller's Day Off came out. So this is like prime broderick too like this is like almost at his peak yeah it's it's post-war games but pre ferris bueller okay and uh and uh i don't care for him in this movie at all anyway he's on the run from the medieval cops uh there's there's the guy who's in charge of the church castle is actually the the doctor or professor falcon from war games which i didn't find out till i was reading the trivia about it after i watched the movie but uh he sends like the sheriff of nottingham after matthew broderick and he is hunting him down and matthew broderick is stupid and he gets like captured and then for some reason rutger hauer who everyone thought was dead comes back to comes back to this land and everyone's like, oh, Captain Navarre, which um, if you don't have the closed captions on, the first time they say this guy's name is when the sheriff of Nottingham yells, Navarre! And you're like, why is he shouting never? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but Rutger Hauer's character's name is Navarre. And he saves Matthew Broderick for no reason. And then they team up together. Like, Matthew Broderick basically becomes his unwilling squire, almost. And they they go on this adventure for some reason, and then we find out that... Oh, also, Rutger Howard has this hawk that follows him everywhere. Yeah. And and then at night, Michelle Pfeiffer shows up, and, and uh. Rutger Howard is gone. And so it's at this, I'm going to get into spoilers here, because if you haven't seen Lady Hawk, it's been 33 years, so I get to spoil it. Um, but, but I just heard of it a few <laughs> minutes ago. 
See, like I wasn't sure if you had seen this before. No, and strangely enough, I like I looked up the uh, the cover art while you were explaining it, and I would have come to similar conclusions as to what the movie's about. Um, I feel like but I never saw that those... on the shelves at at uh, Blockbuster. Oh, uh, I don't know. I feel like this is one of the movies that your mom had on the the shelves next to the TV. <laughs> it, it it looks like it would be. <laughs> um but uh but so it's at this point that I think the movie is oh during the day Michelle Pfeiffer is the bird and at night Rutger Howard is the bird. Ah, I got it. Nope. Uh, at night Rutger Howard turns into a wolf and Michelle Pfeiffer turns into beautiful Michelle Pfeiffer who has who is fantastic looking. She, she's she a very fan- attractive woman. She is a very attractive woman. I don't care for her with short hair. Um, and she also has the same haircut as Rutger Hauer in this movie. But, um, <laughs> but uh, it, it she, her beauty fights through it where you're like, wow, she is a beautiful woman. And uh, I can understand why, like, there are a bunch of podcasts that I've listened to. I think like the How Did This Get Made, like Jason Manzukis always raves about Lady Hawk, but like I think he's mostly raving about how much he loves Michelle Pfeiffer. And I'm like, yeah, I can totally get that. Like if you're like 12 in 1986 or five when this movie came out uh-huh. and and you're seeing this for the first time, you're like, wow, this movie was probably really cool back then. Not so much now. Like this is a movie you need to see before you're... 13 i think okay and uh i am not 13 anymore i am not 13 anymore dad you're almost 40 oh gross yep and uh and so so rucker howard turns into a wolf at night and she turns into a bird during the day because the 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 priest king put a curse on them because he loved Michelle Pfeiffer, but she loved Rutger Hauer. Uh, it's confusing. I don't really understand it. Mm-hmm. Uh, they meet up with a, uh, a, f- a priest. Oh, at some point the bird gets shot with a crossbow and Matthew Broderick has to take it to uh, a priest. And the priest is the one who betrayed them on accident when they were younger and and then the priest has a plan for breaking the curse that they're under and the and and he says listen 3 days from now there'll be a night without day and a day without night and you're like well that's cryptic how could you possibly know that and he goes i just know it he's also like a drunk okay. and rucker and rucker howers like i don't want to do this i just want to go kill the bishop i don't care about your plan and michelle pfeiffer they they have this long drawn out scene where she's a bird and then she turns into a person and using the worst special effects you've ever seen. <laughs> um, like they don't even, they don't even try to do like a, an American werewolf in London or Paris, whichever one was first London, uh, London where, where like a person turns into an animal and it's horrifying. This is just uh, yeah. like, this is just a close-up of eyes and, like, flashing lights. And once there was a person, and now there is a bird. And you're just <laughs> like, oh, man. And so the bird's got this arrow through its chest. 
and she turns into Michelle Pfeiffer and she still has the arrow in her chest. And then they spend five minutes pulling the arrow out of her chest. And then in the next scene, she's just fine. And you're like, okay, great. Cause at one point in the next scene, like the, the guards show up to capture her and Matthew Broderick. And she's like dangling from the, from a wall Matthew Broderick's like holding her by the arm, like to not let her go. And it's the arm that had the giant arrow hole in it. And she's just like holding on, but she's slowly slipping. And then she falls just as the sun rises. So she turns into a bird. Oh, she's fine. But yeah, that's good. This movie has terrible lighting. Okay. And, and so a lot of times when it's night, they shot day for night, which is where they just put that blue filter yeah. uh, on the camera and it's supposed to look like night, but it's clearly daytime mm-hmm. and it looks terrible. And other times it's just this terrible dusk lighting where, where there's a lot of pretty colors, but it just looks really bad. It's it's just as if they didn't have a budget for proper lighting for for nighttime stuff. Mm-hmm. But there's this there's this one sequence where Matthew Broderick and the drunk priest are talking and they're sitting around this fire and there's just so much light and and none of it is coming from the fire in front of them. Like the light is clearly coming from overhead and stuff. And it's that's not something that I normally noticed, so it must have been pretty bad for mm-hmm. for it to really stand out like that. Uh, so anyway, uh, they have this, a bunch of more, a bunch of more stuff happens and Rutger Howard eventually, <laughs> and Rutger Howard's like, okay, uh, let's do your plan priest, whatever it is with the day and the night. Um, cause there's this one sequence where they're trying to capture him as a wolf. I don't know. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't, I don't, I don't have any idea what's going on. And uh, and they go to the they go to the castle and like they're gonna give the the priest the the Rutger Hauer wolf and and anyway the day for night or the day without night and a night without day is just an eclipse so uh. so I'm like why didn't the priest just say there's an eclipse coming if he knew an eclipse was coming just just say that. Because he also says that this is the only time you'll be able to break the curse. And I'm like, eclipses happen, like, every couple of years. Like, if, you, if it doesn't work out this time, you can just try again later. You know? I mean, it's, it's an eclipse. Like, if you're able to predict an eclipse to the moment in medieval times, then you should be able to know that it's probably going to happen again down the line. You know? And you should have come up for with a word for it. <laughs> yeah, it seems to be one of your complaints. <laughs> yeah. uh, so anyway, Rucker Hauer, who's fighting. Oh, also the swords in this movie are bigger than the swords in Highlander. Uh, that's one it. of the. You've never seen Highlander? Nope. Oh man, you'd hate it. Uh, <laughs> it's it's amazing, but I get the feeling that you would just hate it, and. Um, and uh, they're they're fighting with these giant swords, like these swords that are so large and so unwieldy that the actors waving them like can only like do one swing at a time, and then they have to like recompose themselves to swing again. So 
Rutger Hauer and the sheriff of Nottingham are, are are having this long drawn out fight where you're where you know that Rutger Hauer is going to win, and um, just before the fight starts, he tells he tells the priest, "If you hear the church bells ringing, that means I failed. Um, please kill the bird." <laughs> and 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 the priest is like, "Okay." So during this fight, for no reason at all, a bunch of the the church guards just start jumping on the church bell ropes to ring the bells. Uh-huh. And Rutger How- and it's just at the moment where Rutger Howard realizes that an eclipse is coming, and he's like, "Oh no, that, I get it now. It all makes sense. No, don't kill the bird." But it's, he's too far away to stop it from happening. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And. And so he's sad because he thinks the bird woman is dead and he approaches the sheriff of Nottingham is dead and he approaches the bishop and he's going to murder him. And and then Michelle Pfeiffer shows up right behind Rutger Hauer. So where is Matthew Broderick in all of this? Oh, he's around. He's just around. So none of this takes place in in the 80s? No, none of it takes place in the 80s. Oh, why was he wearing a hoodie? He's not. Oh, wait, that's not true. He does wear like a tunic with a hood on it, but that is not a hoodie. It looks like he's wearing like a red hoodie, doesn't it? Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's just like medieval garb. Oh, Okay, I was, I know, I was right? still like, waiting for the... I'm like, how does this happen? He gets rescued by being sent to the future. But it, yeah. it sounds like he's not even a big character. I kept waiting. He's the main character. He's top build in this movie. And he's the worst. <laughs> he's got no... Like, this movie has no business with a Matthew Broderick character. There's yeah, no reason for him like to be got, there. It's got no need for him. There really isn't like the, like when he teams up with Rutger Hauer, you're just kind of like, why are these two together? This doesn't make any sense. Like, why did Rutger Hauer stick his neck out for this guy? He's clearly a thief, and Rutger Hauer's like a soldier. Mm-hmm. It doesn't doesn't make any sense. Hmm. And uh, so anyway, at the end, Matthew Broderick throws Rutger Hauer his even larger sword so that he can kill the priest. And Michelle Pfeiffer shows up. Wait, uh, he throws Rutger Hauer, Rutger Hauer's even larger sword, or he throws Rutger Hauer Matthew Broderick's even larger sword. Rutger Hauer has a sword and then an even larger sword. Okay, so okay, that that makes more sense because yeah, sorry, like, Matthew Broderick wouldn't be able to carry around a sword that's too big for Rutger Hauer. No, and he can barely move around with the sword, and he like hides it under his shirt, which doesn't make any sense. Um, and when I say throw, I mean he slides it across the floor to in the general area of Rutger Hauer, um, and he throws it to him while he's fighting the sheriff of Nottingham, and he uh, it like misses Rutger Howard, so he doesn't even get a chance to grab it. And Rutger Howard just starts rolling around on the floor, and the sheriff goes to stab him. And Rutger Howard just rolls over onto the sheriff's sword, and it pops up and stabs the sheriff in the stomach. <laughs> it's so stupid. That sounds very <laughs> unsatisfying. It is. Uh, so anyway, he's he's getting Wait, ready to kill. Hang on, the- hang on, hang on, hang on. Yes, hang on. yes, yes. Please, please. So, the, so I'm assuming at some point during this experience, 
you looked over at Jill. <laughs> and was she just sitting there happy as a clam or what? Well, she left an hour into the movie because one of the girls woke up. Oh. Uh, and I was left alone to finish Lady Hawk by myself. But, like, for the first hour of the movie, because the movie's over in two hours long. I think it's two hours and one minute. But um, for the first hour, I was kind of like, I am not feeling this. And uh, and I'll tell you why after I finish the plot. Okay. Um, but, uh, so he getting re- he's getting ready to kill the priest. And if he kills the priest without breaking the curse, he'll be forever stuck as Wolfman. And he's getting ready to kill the priest, and Michelle Pfeiffer is still alive, and she's behind him, and he sh- and she's like never. When and if you didn't have the captions on, you would think she just screamed never for no right. reason. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and and he's like, oh man, I haven't seen you in years because you're usually a bird or I'm a wolf. And then he breaks the curse somehow by making the priest look at them. He says, look at her. Now look at me. Now look at us. And then the drunk priest says to Matthew Broderick, the curse is broken. (laughs) And and then Rutger Hauer and Michelle Pfeiffer, like, embrace. And then she has the mask. You know that mask you put on a hawk, I guess, to make them think they're sleeping? Yeah. Yeah. And she, like, goes up to the priest and just kind of drops it at his feet. And she turns to walk away, and the priest gets all pissed off. And he says, if I can have you, no man shall. And Matthew Broderick screams, never. And Rutger Hauer spins and throws his overly sized sword through the priest's chest. And he has this long, drawn-out death scene where he does, like, the classic 80s I've been stabbed where his head is like slowly dropping. And then it just goes, uh, uh. <laughs> you know, this isn't a visual medium, but I, I still get you. Yeah. You, you can, you can feel what I did where I went. Uh, yep. Uh, I just wanted to do it. There again. it is. And, uh, and so Rutger Hauer and Michelle Pfeiffer start spinning in a circle. Also, they're in a church. This is during this weird church service that's happening for some reason. And there's all these people in robes just standing around watching everything that's been happening, including when he was fighting the sheriff of Nottingham and all of the guards. And then when he kills the priest and no one seems to care. Like, everyone's just standing around like, ooh, this is an interesting show. And huh. and then when uh, after they kill the priest and Rutger Howard, like, picks up Michelle Pfeiffer and they're spinning in a circle and she does some sort of weird bird arms thing where she's, like, flapping her arms while screaming, I love you, I love you. All of the people in robes gather around them in cir- in a circle and just start clapping. Oh, this sounds terrible. It is. It is terrible. And 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 that's how it ends. That's that's the oh. end of the movie. Well, that sounds better. Yeah. So that that's how it, it there was no more Matthew Broderick just walks away with the priest holding his hand for some reason, which is weird. And uh, and the movie just ends. Now, the thing that I really hated about this movie uh-huh. 
was the music. Oh. oh, man. It is 1985 synth music. Yeah. But it's as if... I don't know who the composer was. I could look it up, but I don't care. Um, it's as if they were trying to do Pink Floyd tribute music. Because at, at any point during all this music, you could... Well, one, you could either play... It sounded like they were playing Eye of the Tiger. Oh, no. <laughs> or or like a terrible cover of um, Another Brick in the Wall. Uh-huh. And so like at any point while this music's playing, you could just go, Hey, leave them kids alone! While you've got like medieval stuff happening. And, oh, God. Yeah, it doesn't go together too well. It does not. It does not go together at all. It is so bad. It's yeah, why really did, why did movies in the eighties think that they needed eighties music all the time? Like now, if you go see a movie, if it's you know, there are circumstances in which you might hear a contemporary song, but like generally the soundtrack is just, you know, classical music. Yeah. That's you know, a score. But in the eighties it's it feels like at least at least now, it feels like the eighties movies all just did they all said the hell with scores? We're just going to use contemporary music. Uh, I think the answer to that is because like synthesizers were were one. It was popular because of like new wave or new age music and all that stuff. Um, so like synthesizer music was popular, but it's also cheaper than hiring John Williams to like create a composition and no, then hiring and then hiring a uh, orchestra to perform yeah. it when you can just have some weirdo on a synthesizer. I'm assuming it's a weirdo um, <laughs> to just do it where you could just like computer generate all the music, but it sounds so, yeah. so bad and so dated. I mean, it is really, really bad. You can't even describe, I would play some of it, but I don't want no, to. Thanks. <laughs> and, and so I won't. And, and it's just, it's so brutal to listen to. And from moment one of the movie, and it's a, it's a Warner brothers fantasy movie. So it has that feeling right away. It, it feels like a cheaper version of Robin hood, Prince of thieves, if that's possible. It feels okay, cheaper. I thought you were going to say like legend. Uh, I haven't seen legend in a long time, but I remember liking legend. Okay. This, this, I, I didn't hate it. But it wasn't good. But I can definitely see how if I saw this when I was a kid, uh-huh. I would be like, this is the coolest movie ever. And you think it would have stuck with you that way? Maybe. Like okay. the nostalgia may have, may have stuck with me. But like seeing it now and like this performance from Matthew Broderick, like I usually like Matthew Broderick, especially young Matthew Broderick. Like War Games, I almost watched War Games when I was finished watching this movie, but I, I just didn't. I wanted to go to bed and um, like young Matthew Broderick is just terrific. And this movie, he's obnoxious. He's just so obnoxious and the character is so bad. He does this terrible accent. I just couldn't stand it. So check it out. No, thanks. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So uh, you saw prisoners lady well hang on a second why is this called lady hawk with an e um because at one point 
Matthew Broderick starts referring to Michelle Pfeiffer as Lady Hawk oh. because because she's she's a, a she's, a, she's a lady in a hawk, and I believe it's hawk with an e because it's medieval times. Ah, they put the e at the end of everything, huh? Yeah, like right. like sh- like Christmas shop, yeah. shoppy, Sh- shoppy, yeah. So, all right, fair enough. Yeah, that's the only thing I could come up with. Because she has, she has a whole. Na- oh yeah! Oh my god! I almost forgot. She has a name in this movie, and it's is a it's Isabeau, not Isabel. Like Isabeau. Isabeau. Like, That's no good. Yeah, and you're like, okay. And so there's at one point Alfred Molina shows up in this movie. <laughs> I was just hearing a story about Alfred Molina trying to hit on people. And really? having their boyfriends walk over and him just kind of slinking off. <laughs> like, I'm going to get out of here now. Uh, that's great. Um, so Alfred Molina shows up and he looks like old Rufio from Hook, where he's got like the same hairstyle and there's like streaks of red in it. Interesting. And, and you're like, sweet, old Rufio. And he's like some sort of super wolf hunter and the bishop priest king has hired him to capture or kill Rutger Hauer as a wolf. Uh-huh. And so at one point, Matthew Broderick and Lady Hawk are in a barn. A.K.A. Isabeau. Isabeau. And they're like enjoying themselves. There's like music playing nearby. And they're like, would you like to dance? And they have this horrible dance sequence. And then she, and then he goes, shall we go get a cup of sweet wine? And she goes, I would love that. And they leave the barn. And as they leave the barn, they literally run into Alfred Molina's horse that's covered in wolf pelts. And she starts freaking out for for no reason and just screaming. And Matthew Broderick just starts yelling, Isabeau! Isabeau, calm down, Isabeau, Isabeau. And Alfred Molina is standing there and he goes, Isabeau, huh? Well, well, well. Luckily, I've been looking for you. (laughs) Like, if you just kept your stupid mouth, like, why would you say such a specific name out loud (laughs) ever? Especially in medieval times. Like, like, I feel like in this time period, you could just get away with anything if you just left. Like, you could get away with anything if you just left and never said anything. And they're on the run from this guy, and he just starts screaming her name when no one knows what she looks like. No one knows who she is, because half the time she's a bird. And and you're in a new town. Just get a code name for each town. Just just call her Lady Hawk, you know? Like, that's what you've been calling her all the time. And he just starts going, Isabeau, Isabeau, no, calm down. And meanwhile, all of these wolf pelts on this horse are like white and gray wolf pelts. And Rutger Hauer's wolf is this like night black um, wolf. And I'm like, you know what he looks like. You hang out with him in his wolf form all the time. Why are you freaking out about white wolf pelts? What's what are you freaking out about? She's just an activist. I guess they're endangered, man. Actually, they're not. They make a point of saying, since the plague, there are more wolves than men. Well, then. 
Yeah. I guess she should just not say anything. <laughs> yeah. Keep her mouth shut. Keep her keep her beak shut because she's a bird. It's a good Lady. one, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> Hope I didn't ruffle any feathers with her. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> well, you have kids. I guess you got to make dad jokes. <laughs> Oh man, uh, I I think now I'm I'm truly sure I've said all I have to say about Lady Hawk. Isabeau, man, Isabeau, right. well, Isabeau, calm down, Isabeau, Isabeau, huh? Although Alfred Molina does get killed in a pretty cool way, where his head gets stuck in one of his wolf traps. That's oh. like a, it's like a, it's like a bear trap, yeah, um, but smaller, I guess. Uh-huh. for wolves and his head gets stuck in it and michelle pfeiffer just kind of standing over him with her dagger that she always has for some reason and and he does like the same thing where he's like twisting and, and jerking around and then he just goes i'm dead <laughs> <laughs> okay now i'm really done all right uh here's another thing about lady hawk prisoners <laughs> uh so this movie stars hugh jackman and jake gyllenhaal and this uh-huh. movie's about two and a half hours long. Oh, wow. um, yeah. Well, I and I realized that about an hour and a half into it, I was like, "Well, this feels like it ought to be wrapping up soon." How's how, how's this going to happen this quickly? And then I hit the pause or whatever, you know, to see how long it was. I was like, "Oh man, I got another hour. Never mind." Mm. Um. So in this movie, uh, no, uh, not Jake Gyllenhaal. Hugh Jackman is uh dad <laughs> he's got a, a son who's probably like 14 15 um and i'm probably underestimating that maybe like 16 17 anyway high schooler um and a daughter who's probably i don't know somewhere between three and eight they all look the same to me <laughs> um and uh his daughter and their friend's daughter goes missing. Um, so he's like hanging out with uh, like a, a couple friend um, played by Terrence Howard. And what's the name of the woman from Suicide Squad? The one that uh, puts the team together. Viola Davis. There you go. Um, and so they're a couple and they have a daughter and the, the two families are hanging out. And their daughters go missing. And so throughout the rest of this movie, um, and I'll try not to spoil this since I assume you'd be watching it at some point. Um, but I'm not going to leave out all the details. Sure. Um, it, it, someone kidnaps them. And then throughout the rest of the movie, Hugh Jackman really is taking this active role of trying to find out where they are. Um, there's also a cop that gets involved and that's Jake Gyllenhaal. And, um, I, I like this, this cop character. Um, they, they do a pretty good job of having him be, he's kind of an asshole, but he's also like a good investigator. Um, and there are some ways in which, he 
like he he's kind of juggling a couple things. There are a couple scenes where you're, he's interacting with like Hugh Jackman's character, and it seems like he's just being really insensitive. And then he like at one point he's told Hugh Jackman's character that he's going to keep a certain guy in custody, and then the guy is out of custody. The captain has released him because of budget reasons. Um, he's like, I can't have people staying here with a guy that we think is innocent. Um, it's a little forced and, and I'll come back to that idea a couple times. Um, but then Hugh Jackman leaves and Jake Gyllenhaal, who's kind of seemed like, look, dude, we had to let him out. Chill. Um, he goes back to the cabin and he's like, you fucking suck. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> you said you'd keep him. And I'm like, oh, okay. So so in that scene, he was just kind of keeping the front of, you know, here's here's the official stance kind of thing. Um, and I, I got to say, I, I think that Jake Gyllenhaal does a really good job in this movie. There are a couple movies I've seen him in where, like, have you ever seen a Nightcrawler? No, I didn't. That's that's an interesting movie. You should check that one out. Um, I'm I'm pretty confident you'd like it. Um, and so throughout this movie, uh, there is someone who seems to. He kind of looks like this must be the kidnapper, and um, I'm not spoiling this one way or another by saying that because you can't tell throughout the movie. And you're kind of wondering throughout the movie, like, is this, how's this guy involved? Is he involved? What's the deal? Um, and Hugh Jackman actually gets a hold of this dude and he is kind of, he's kind of kidnapped him trying to mm-hmm. find out where his kids are. Um, so, so that's, kind of where things kick in and it's like that throughout a lot of the movie um like that's kind of where things stand um and the drama is more between the characters um well the like even though you're kind of going well what's going to happen here where are they going to find out a lot of the tension and stuff is between the characters um this the it's a weird kind of movie though like it seems like it's a pretty uh, maybe because Jake Gyllenhaal's in it, I'm like this. This has a similar feel to um, Zodiac, mm-hmm. but there are moments here and there where the writing just gets a little shoddy. Um, like some of the revenge stuff gets a little far fetched. Um, it's like Hugh Jackman's character is a little too creative sometimes, um, and. I want to explain what I mean, but I don't want to spoil anything. Um, watch it soon. <laughs> You'll see. Okay. Like, really? He's going to like, he's, he's really got a lot of supplies here. Like at one point <laughs> you're like, this is kind of low budget Batman. Um, and, uh, th- there's a punching scene <laughs> where it's just the worst punching scene ever. Like Hugh Jackman looks like he's never thrown a punch in his life. Like, he just doesn't know what he's doing with his arms. And then when he punches, the sound effect doesn't work right. So mm-hmm. it just, it's just really clunky. Um, so that was weird. There are a few twists and turns in the movie, and some of them are kind of decent. I'd say, like, as the movie goes on, 
the twists get a little funkier. Um, and there's definitely a moment where I'm like, wow, this is like someone drops a fair amount of exposition and you're like, this is a little bit Scooby Dooish, and it's out of place. It just doesn't like 95% of the movie is so serious and honestly pretty well written that when the funny stuff comes in and it's kind of cheesy or it happens a lot that there are conveniences like there's even a moment where I, I wrote a note down that was like, I feel a convenient coincidence coming <laughs> because it just started to even fall into a bit of a pattern where you go like, okay, so this is the moment where I am wondering how is this person going to find this information? And you're like, oh, you know what? He's going to drop something and look at a picture and go, oh, it's a good thing I dropped that thing next to that picture because that helps me solve this question that I've been thinking about. Um, And and it happens enough that you're like, okay, this is going to happen again in a moment. You just start to feel the beats. Right. Um, So that's a little bit of a drawback. Um, There are a couple things that just don't make sense. Like this is one thing, and I noticed this happens in a lot of movies. I said, why do people with guns wait to cock the gun until someone moves at them? You know, they'll be holding a gun on somebody and then, like, yeah, don't move. And then the person will move and they'll be like, now I'm pulling back the hammer. And I'm like, well, if you need to do that to shoot, why didn't you do that when you were trying to threaten them? Because that just doesn't really make sense. You'd, you'd want your gun ready. Last warning before I shoot you to death. Right. Um,. And then there's another moment. Let me let me put you in the driver's seat here. I guess literally okay. in this sense. Let me put um, my seatbelt on. Yeah. You are, uh, let's say, a cop with okay. a cop car. All right. And you have to get somewhere quickly. Oh, no, you already answered my question right there. They don't. They don't turn on the siren. Right. They're they're trying to get somewhere really quickly, and for half a second they do. They're like whoop, but then after that, nope. They just leave it off while they're driving through all this traffic and stuff. And I'm like, what? This just makes no sense. Especially given that they did have the sound effect for a second. Like you would just be, you'd have your siren on it. It just it doesn't it doesn't make any sense at all. Maybe they were trying to talk in the car and they couldn't hear each other over the siren. (laughs) That is not the case. Um, So, so I can't, I can't say a whole lot more without spoiling things. Um, So I'll kind of give a a overview. I'd say this has really good moments of tension here and there. Um, And in spite of the fact that it's two and a half hours long, it doesn't, it does feel long, but it doesn't feel longer than it is, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, it's it's pretty satisfying with the characters. The Scooby-Doo stuff and a couple like coincidental things. There's one subplot where maybe I missed something. Because there's someone who seems like they're related to what's going on. And then they're sort of taken out of the story, but I don't know that you ever figure out like what their part in it was mm-hmm. and and as i'm saying it i'm like oh i have a i have a bet that i could say oh he's 
he's one of such and such people. But I, 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 hmm, I'm not quite sure. And I definitely didn't know while I was watching. I was like, so who was he? What's his deal? Uh-huh. Um, the the performances are good. Uh, Hugh Jackman, uh, aside from the punching thing, there were a couple moments where like he's yelling, and I'm like, oh yeah, Hugh Jackman's got a pretty good angry dad yelling voice but when it comes to a couple physical things i'm like this but it doesn't seem to match what's going on with his body it's it's strange um but still you know he's a good actor um and i think the tension scenes are really worth watching um because if you like kind of getting yourself on the edge of your seat they're, they're not exactly action moments. They're just really tense. And there are a couple of those that are really good. So um, I'd say check this movie out. I think I think you can handle it, even if I, I'm speaking specifically to Nick. Other people who are parents don't watch this. <laughs> Nick, <laughs> I, I think you can handle it. Okay. I think you can handle it. Um and the things that are a little corny make it a little easier to handle because it's it's not a hundred percent realistic. Um, yeah, and then the very 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 final note, like meaning like literally the last second of the movie, mm-hmm. it's it's kind of interesting and it feels a little bit like oh that that might even be a bit gimmicky, but looking back on it, I'm like oh that's the that's the best way to end the movie. Cause I wouldn't want to see another four minutes. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't want more, you know, denouement where things wrap up after that. So yeah, check it out. Okay. Yeah. It's one of those movies I've always kind of wanted to, to see, but just haven't, I don't want to say have the nerve, but like I've never been in the mood to be sad or mm-hmm. disturbed. Um, like there's a couple of movies that, uh, I haven't watched because I, d- I just don't feel like being depressed. Yeah. Um, I can't think of any of them right now, but, uh, yeah. Well, there, there's a moment, a very distinct moment. And I, I, I didn't write this down, but there was a very distinct moment. I, in fact, I think I did write it down. Then I erased it. Um, that, you know, you have this couple questions going on throughout the movie, like who's done it, or is anybody going to get out safe, stuff like that. And and with those questions, there was a very clear moment where I was like, "Yep, I know how this is going to go." Mm-hmm. Like, and and it's and it's from the corniness where I'm like, uh, "I don't think this movie is as serious as it's threatening that it is." And I'll I'll leave it at that. And it turns out it's it's you know not <laughs> like in that moment you're like yeah no this movie's not gonna it's 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 not as it's not quite as gritty as it wants to be. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. Uh, all right then. Well, I guess that brings us to the moment in the show where we add to our movie ranking lists. Now. I'll go first because I went first today and I have already placed Lady Hawk on my list. Mm -hmm. And listeners, if you're new to the show, the movie ranking list, each Matt and I each have our own list. Mine's called Nick's and Matt's is called 
Midwest Matt's, because that's what we call them on the show. And we're each ranking the movies that we've seen this year, and we're we're and the rules are whatever movie you watch has to be either better or worse than another movie on the list. So Lady Hawk for me is going to go all the way down between Alita Battle Angel and After Earth into the new number 64 mm. slot. Wow, you really didn't enjoy it. <laughs> I didn't. And uh, at least Alita Battle Angel had some cool action sequences. Lady Hawk's choreog- fight choreography was so terrible. I mean, so bad. Um, I'm going to give Lady Hawk one and a half stars. And I'm going to say no, I do not like or recommend it. And that's And that's that. Now... <laughs> Matt, you watched one movie. I, and I keep moving it. I Oh, man. This this list of mine is so jacked up. Yeah. Um, the other thing, dear listener, is we both hate our lists. Oh, yeah. We've made so many poor decisions. <laughs> there, I, I mean, literally, there have been six different places that I've placed this. I'm like, well, it's better than this, but it's not as good as that. Perfect. Done. And then as I scroll to the top to get ready to close it, I'm like, well, wait a minute. It's better than that thing way up there. And then it's better than that, too. It's better than Clash of the Titans. But wait, it's also better than Pumpkinhead. But wait. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, Prisoners is going between Bumblebee and Bad Times at the El Royale. Ah, into your into the new number 18 slot. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And there are other movies above it that I'm like, I think it was better than that. But screw <laughs> it. You got to go somewhere, prisoners. <laughs> and a couple weeks from now, or ne- maybe next week, I'll go, why is it down there? <laughs> uh, I'm looking at your list right now, and I realize I still haven't seen Happy Death Day to you. You should check it out. It's fun. I know. I, I would like to. I for- I forgot all about it. How how many stars would you give prisoners? Uh, I'm gonna go ahead and say three and a half. Wow, three and a half. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and is it a recommend slash like? Uh, yeah, yeah, it's both. Yeah. Okay. It's it's Great. one of the few movies where I'm like, uh, oh, the writing could use some work, but the performances were really good and good enough that yeah, definitely. Okay. Well. I guess that's going to do it for the show this week. <laughs> you seem um, confused. <laughs> it's a little... Uh, we're coming in a little light, but last week's episode was super long, so I guess it evens out. Uh, Matt, anything for this week's Midwest Matt recommends? Uh, well, I haven't heard it yet, but the Tool album's out today, so I'm going to say it's probably great. Uh, what is the name of the album? Uh, I think it's Fear Inoculum. Oh, Okay. It's yeah, an I, hour and a half long. Really? Yeah. Well, Ten it took tracks. Me Twenty years to make it. So. <laughs> uh, I only listened to that first song that came out a couple weeks ago. That was like ten minutes long, but I loved yeah. it. There was a uh, when I when I saw him in concert uh, two months ago, maybe. Um, there was a song that's also like probably eleven or twelve minutes long that I cannot wait to hear. Uh, it was just fucking great. So, um, 
Yeah, so I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I did think there was a podcast I was going to mention. Uh, oh yeah, if I haven't right now, they're they're replaying some of their old episodes, um, like for the summer. Um, but if uh, haven't recommended Reply All in a while, um, that's a great podcast. People should check that out. Okay, and if you're a man, which Nick, I believe you are. Okay. There's a, a gender new, gender is fluid these days. <laughs> if you're looking for kind of thoughtful discussions for quote unquote man issues, there's a podcast called the Man Talks Podcast. Man Talks is one word. Um and I actually found it because the guy who hosts it is um husband to a woman I follow on Instagram. Her her Instagram title's Mindful MFT, which means marital and family therapist. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's just she's just a genius. Um, so I thought I'd figure I, I figured I'd check out this guy's podcast because she had an episode that she was a, or he had an episode she was a guest on too. Um, and and he's a therapist of some sort or another. Um, and it's a pretty good show. Uh, there 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 was an episode that was like recently that was how to apologize to a woman. It was kind of funny because it was like completely the opposite of how my personal relationship is. Um, I'm like, nope, that's how, that's how I work. Cause I'm a woman. <laughs> um, and it sounds like a pretty like sexist kind of like title, but, um, but it is, it, it was a pretty good episode and, and some of the other ones I've listened to have been pretty cool. So, you know, if, if you're interested in like a podcast that's sort of self-helpy, but other things seem like they don't focus enough on like the male perspective. So check it out. All right, and you heard it from Matt. No girls allowed. That is not right. <laughs> <laughs> but sure. Uh, uh, okay, and if you'd like to see what Midwest Matt has recommended, check out thisweekinfilm.com. Um, it's really the only thing that's been updated in the past few weeks. Still can't figure out the problems with the website. So if you know about website stuff, get in touch with us at... Uh, this week in film podcast at gmail.com and tell me why when I'm using WordPress and typing I can't see any of the letters. So that is um, a problem. It is. It really slows you down. And uh, so I guess if that is the end of the reel, we will see you next week in film. Thanks for listening. <laughs>